This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. So this series is entitled Renew. It's really kind of focused on that first prefix, re, which if you are doing the study of the word parts, you actually come back to understand that re, as it appears in our language, typically means again or again and again or back. And when I think of what does it mean to be renewed, I was actually reminded of a conversation that Jesus has with a very religious man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, which basically means he's kind of like a priest or a pastor. He knows the ins and outs of following God and the scriptures. And so Nicodemus has this conversation with Jesus because Jesus is on the scene making a difference, apparently very smart, very connected with God. And so Nicodemus goes to Jesus late at night so nobody else would know what's happening. They would be judged for going to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, I want what you have. What must the man do to inherit this eternal life? And Jesus says in John 3, 3, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, that's where that phrase in our vernacular as a church came from, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What a profound statement. And it confused Nicodemus because Nicodemus thought, all right, Jesus, you see how big I am? My mom is smaller than me. How am I going to get up in there and get born again? This doesn't make any sense, right? That's exactly what he says in Scripture. And he is so confused. And so Jesus goes on to explain, no, I'm not talking about that kind of, I'm talking about a second chance. And here's the thing I've noticed about second chances. Second chances tend to confuse religious and self-righteous people because they don't think they need one. They don't want to give other people one. So let me just say this up front, and I want you to hear this clearly. We are a church of second chances. God does not love you because you are the way you ought to be. He doesn't love you Only if you become the person that you should be. He loves us all as we are because none of us are as we should be. And so we believe in second chances. And so each week we're going to look at a word that is connected to the gospel that begins with that prefix re. This week is uh, remember next week we'll be kind of going to the title track of this sermon series renew then to remain in the third week and in the fourth week we're going to look at the word repentance and my good friend Jonathan Pearson one of our church's overseers is coming in to share with us on that week. So I thought it would be a lot of fun as we get ready to remember and start this message today, if we took some time 
to remember some things from my past. So what I did is I went to my mom and said, Mom, hey, would you do me a favor this week? Find four of your favorite memories and find some pictures that connect to them and share them with me. And so I'm going to walk you. Get, you get to see me progress through the 1980s, all right, which is going to be a ton of fun. All right, so here we are, first picture right here. This is me on the first day of first grade, and those shorts are a work of art, right? That's a lot of thigh for a young man to be showing, all right? They are. And so my daughter's actually just started first grade, and so this is 1983, and my mom said, I, 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 I loved the start of school because it meant that we were starting a new season as a family. Just kind of marked a new beginning for our family. And they did every year. They, I can remember getting my picture taken right there in that spot. I don't know if any of y'all remember in the 80s that we used to put down this plastic film over the carpet. Y'all remember that? And so that the carpet wouldn't get messed up. But that's what that stuff is. So we would get our picture taken right there at the end of the runway. It was the perfect place. Every year in our school outfits, and there we were getting our, but our parents, for my mom especially, it was one of those times it just marked a new beginning. The second picture, this is me and my sister, Folly Beach in South Carolina. My mom took the day off of work and, and took us to the beach, and it's one of her favorite memories because when we went back to school, uh, one of my teachers had me draw a favorite memory from that summer. And I drew me and my mom and my sister in a car. And we were yelling out the window, woo, as we were driving to the beach. You know, it's just one of those moments when I know as parents we do a lot of things for our kids, but we don't understand if it registers or if it's important to them. But obviously it just kind of confirmed in her heart that it was. And so what a powerful, powerful thing to do. This third picture, okay, this is Christmas and let me give you the year here. This is Christmas in 1984. 1984. So this, I am a seven years old here, um, a little bit older than my daughter at this point. And, and man, look at that face. I'm so excited. My, my mom said that she loved Christmas because every Christmas there was just some kind of special emphasis for our family. And I can tell you, man, my parents every year built in traditions and they made things happen for our family at Christmas. It was an awesome, awesome season every year. And she just said, hey, I just, I loved what we got to do every Christmas. And this, and y'all know if you've been through the trajectory of the arc with a family, that, that seven, eight-year-old window is just magical with your kids at Christmas. And this last picture, this last picture right here, this is me. It's one of um, a memory that I, I still distinctively remember this day, but I, I spent the entire morning playing in mud. <laughs> it's, it, and, and if you know me, that's not really my thing, but I guess it was that day. And so my mom um, was, was watching, and she said in this, she said, hey, you know what? I, I remember that, that moment because I was watching your dad I was watching your dad, and there was such joy on your dad's face. There was such joy on your dad's face as he was watching you play. And I can remember thinking, wow, God, this is awesome. It was a profound moment for her. How many of y'all know that there's just times that you get to sit back and watch your kids, and you're like, 
God, you're so good. You're so good. There's joy that's there. And then I asked my mom this question. How long ago did those memories feel like they were? And she said this. And if you're a parent in here, you can identify with this. It feels like yesterday. It feels like yesterday. If you've got kids, right? It's going to take some work to remember because God definitely wants us to remember. How many husbands in here know God wants us to remember? Is there any wife that would call her husband out right now in this moment? Husbands that have forgotten a birthday or anniversary in the last year. Any wife? I didn't think you'd do that to your husbands, right? I didn't think. But how many of y'all know it's a struggle to remember that stuff? Anybody? Is it a struggle for anybody else? Is it a struggle for me? I can't remember anybody's birthday. I can hardly remember my own birthday, right? It's hard. But God definitely wants us to remember. You know, Easter season, that's such a big time for us at church. It's such a big emphasis. And really, Easter is all about remembering. That's the emphasis of that. Seasons, remembering the work of Jesus on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. So, what if you found out that this morning we put cyanide in the coffee? Surprise, (laughs) right? If you got a cup of coffee, you have three or four hours left to live. What What if you found that out? Would you be concerned over the next three or four hours about the amount of pleasure that you would have in your life, or would you be concerned about what you would be remembered by? Because Jesus was put in that position. It's exactly what the Last Supper was. He knew that his death was right around the corner. And then at the same time, he got to have a meal with his friends. Do you remember what he did in Luke twenty-two nineteen? Pay attention to this. He took some bread and gave thanks for it. And then he broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body that was broken for you. This is my body that was broken. Then he broke in pieces and gave it to his disciples, right? And then he said at the very end, look at this, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, something big is about to happen, and I'm giving you something that is practical that you can do to help remember what's about to happen because God wants us to Remember, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is a profound writer and Christian thinker who lived during the time of the rise of the Nazis, was actually, because of his vocal protest of of the things that were going on, was arrested and executed just weeks before the liberation of Germany. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, anyone who feels neither the responsibility towards the past nor desire to shape the futures is one who has forgot. It's so important so important to have a a remembrance that is focused the right way. Not to live in the past, but to remember the right way. So if we're going to talk about that, let me help you. If you're taking notes, I'd write this down. The past offers us a perspective that shapes our present and our possibilities. The past offers for us a perspective that shapes our present where we live today, and it shapes also the possibilities that lie in the future. It's important. It's important for us to know that 
what has happened in the past. It's not for us to live in, but it does shape the future and our present. So remembering God's faithfulness from the past actually does a few things. I wanted to highlight those for you today. Number one, it allows us to trust him in the present. It allows us to trust him in the present. Now I'm going to share this verse out of Deuteronomy chapter 7. It's kind of interesting because this is Moses speaking. They have been promised a, a land by God, a, a, this portion of land, and, and they blew it. Under Moses' leadership, they blew it. They were scared. They, they doubted the capacity of God to deliver it to them. And then God made them wander around in 40, for 40 years in, in the, the wilderness. And then he writes this book of Deuteronomy really on the verge of being able to, to kind of usher his people in, but with the promise of you're not going to get to go with them. Moses, your story is going to end before the possession of this new land happens. It's almost like coaching a football team in the NFL and getting to the Super Bowl. And right before you go to take the field, you know, every, you got to give that big speech. But then they tell you, hey, yeah, but you don't get to go out and actually coach the game. That's where Moses is. His people are scared. The people in the land that they're about to invade, they seem to be intimidating. And look at what he says in Deuteronomy 7. He says, you may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will now do the same to these peoples you now fear. So let me ask you a question. He's saying this right here. Listen, look backwards. God has done it before. He will do it again. So in your life today, what do you need to remember? Maybe today you're in a situation when it comes to your job and you're, you're struggling at your, with your boss or you're, you're struggling with the career decision, but you can look back and go, I remember when I was with, in this situation before and God delivered me and God took me out and God provided a way or God did this or whatever it was that God did. You can look back and remember what do you need to remember. Maybe today you're in a, a situation where your family is not what you want it to be or what you know it needs to be. And maybe today is a day that you can look back and remember, hey, you know, we've been to a similar place like this before. We've been there. And God, you showed up and you brought forgiveness and grace and healing and restoration. And God, I know that even in this circumstance, God, you can do it again. Because when we remember God's faithfulness in the past, it allows us to trust him in the future. The second thing that it does is it directs your actions for the future. Not only does remembering God's faithfulness in the past allow us to trust him in the present, it directs our actions for 
the future. Do you remember the, the scene where David shows up and the armies have gathered and the Philistine giant Goliath has been challenging the army of Israel to a duel? It was kind of what they would call a parlay. You could put one soldier against one soldier and the great Philistine giant Goliath is challenging the army and everybody is so scared of him they run every time he comes out and he, he makes fun of the God of Israel and, and David shows up on the scene and hears all that and he's angry and so he goes to King Saul who he had a relationship with already and he says this I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats he says when the lion and the bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Can we just stop there and say that's awesome? Right? Like, yeah, I want you as a shepherd. If you, if you have that skill set, please, yes, let me employ you to take care of my sheep. Right? And he goes, I have done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Because when we remember, it directs our actions for the future. If you're a parent in here, how many of y'all would say, I don't want my kids to make the same mistakes that I made when I was growing up? We'd all say that, wouldn't we? And so what do we do? We love them and we put them in situations and we try to educate them so that when their trajectory is aimed towards the future, they won't make the same mistakes. Have you ever thought about it this way that perhaps God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to make the same mistakes that you've made before? And so he wants you to remember because remember changes the trajectory of your future. And so I thought it was helpful to maybe even talk about why and how we could learn to remember. What do we need to do to remember? Because if we're honest, we're not very good at remembering. I don't know if you can relate to this story, but it happens to me a lot. We'll be around the house. My wife will be like, hey, I re we really need this for from the grocery store. Uh, you know, Can you run out and go get it? Sure, I'd love to. All right, here's what we need. We need some milk. I need whole milk. I need a gallon of it. I need some eggs. I need flour. None. I don't need bleached flour. I just need whole wheat flour. And then I need some chocolate chips. And I need some butter. Make sure it's real butter in half sticks. Okay, and I'm like, I'm going through. Yeah, all right. I I got you. I got you. Whole whipping cream. Got it. Got it. Sour cream. Yep. 16 ounces. I'm with you. Okay. All right. Do you need to write that down? No, I got it. I got it right here. Still trap. Right. And then you get to the grocery store and you get the cart and you go, all right, I got eggs. What else? <laughs> they ever having anybody else? Thank God for cell phones. Right. Hey, uh, baby, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I forgot everything. I got the eggs. What else was it you needed? <laughs> you know, has it ever happened to you or something like that? It happens to me all the time. And so in Joshua 4, we see this moment where Joshua knows that that's how we do things. Joshua is the leader who steps up after Moses' death to lead the children of Israel. They're now about to step into the promised land. And God's going to do almost the exact same thing he did when he delivered them from Egypt. They walked out of Egypt on dry ground through the Red Sea. They're going to walk into the promised land on dry ground through the River Jordan. 
And, Mo, and Joshua is aware of what's about to happen. And so he is going to have them erect a monument to mark this moment. Because there's a principle that goes with remembering that's very, very important. This is in your notes today. is that we must write it down. We need to write it down. We've got to write down what happens. You know, the sad thing is that there's many of us in the room today that God has done so much in our lives and we have forgot it. We forgot it. 20 years ago, you prayed for that job. 15 years ago, you were in that financial mess. 10 years ago, you went through that relational difficulty with your spouse. Five years ago, your kids were giving you a fit. And God showed up, answered your prayers. And if you're honest right now, you can't even remember what happened. Because you didn't write it down. And it appears that Joshua knows that that's kind of how our hearts work. Look at how the story unfolds in Joshua 4. So he told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in the front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. And we will use these stones to build a memorial. Because if you don't write it down, if you don't erect the monument, the memorial, you will forget it. You will. And it's important to remember. So what do you need to write down right now? Some of you, you need to go out and buy a journal. And when God shows up and God answers a prayer, you need to take a few minutes and just write it down. and Put it away because that's what you do. You write things down. Some of you aren't that good. All right? But maybe you need to start a note on your phone. When it happens, you just pull your phone out and you type out, I've been praying for my husband to bring me flowers for 18 months. And finally it happened. It finally happened. Praise God. Right? Write it down. What do you need to write down? What has God done in your life that was so powerful and profound? And such deliverance that you needed to write it down. See, the second thing that we need to do, we need to write it down, but then we need to tell others. I love how the story continues in Joshua. Joshua is speaking after giving them directions that we're going to erect this monument. He says, for in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across, and these stones will stand as a memorial among all the people of Israel forever. I leave that up. I love the way Joshua, apparently Joshua was a dad and he knew how kids are because he doesn't say if your kids ask. He says, no, your children will ask because if you ever, ever had kids, you know they ask you questions about everything all the time. So eventually your kids are going to ask you about this and it's going to give you this moment where you can say all the stuff that we have right now, we didn't have that at some point. All this 
profound blessing that we're living in. We didn't have that. We actually wandered in the wilderness and God made a way for us to walk across on dry ground. And we put this up so that we could remember that God delivered us. It gives you a chance to tell the story because future generations will repeat past mistakes without learning from others' experiences. Every parent raise their hand. I don't want my kids to make the same mistakes. Well, they're going to make the same mistakes if you don't help them not make the same mistakes. And there's some of you in here that honestly, you will say this about your relationship with God. I love Jesus. I just don't feel comfortable talking about my relationship with God. Can I just tell you that if that's your mode of operation at home, you are failing your kids. Because your kids need to hear you talk about your relationship with God. They need to hear you talk about your love and affection for Him. They need to know that at times you failed Him and had to ask for repentance. They need to hear that. Because they need to hear that to keep them from doing the things that you did. Have you ever noticed... That memories are moments. And that the moments that we enter into, even the moments that we enter into today will later become our memories. See, the decisions you're making today will determine the memories that you have for tomorrow. And oftentimes we don't even understand the gravity of those decisions. We don't understand the impact that they're making. I mean, you may be the dad who comes home and I'm so tired, work was so difficult, I just want to lay here and do nothing. And your kid's running around you wanting to play, but I'm so tired. And you'll never understand what it means to get down and play. You won't see the effect in that moment. You won't ever know what it means for your kids to see you vulnerable and weak and afraid, but to put your trust and hope in God. You'll never see that. Probably not in this moment, maybe not for a lifetime, but it produces those memories, create something. And so I thought it would be really nice, actually to go back through those pictures that my mom shared. And I shared her memories, but I'm going to share what I remember from those. That first picture of me in those high-waisted khaki shorts showing way too much leg for a first grader. You know, I've heard a lot of parents tell their kids, I just wish you'd stay this young forever. And I've seen a lot of parents that really fight the transitions, not wanting their kids to get older or to grow up or do whatever. But my parents never did that to me. With every transition that happened in life, my parents approached it with me in a way that gave me boldness and security. Make sure it's a new year. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. It's going to be so fun. 
And every year it was the same thing. And they would take that picture and they would get me some new clothes and a new lunch box. And, you know, the truth is, is that that boldness never stopped because throughout the rest of my life when there were seasons where I felt like things were changing and I was being invited into something new, like it still is the same way. Like I'm ready to embrace it. I'm ready to accept the challenge that goes with it. That's a great gift to give your kids. To know that there are going to be new seasons and that as you walk into them, you can walk into them with confidence and boldness. This next picture is me and my sister at Folly Beach. What you don't know is that during this season, my family was very poor. We were dual-income family. My mom worked. My dad worked. They both needed the work. We wouldn't have survived without both of them working. But my mom and my dad were always there in my life. As a matter of fact, my mom during the summer would take off days, use vacation days, take some days without pay just to go do something with me and my sister. Can I tell you that throughout all of my life, my parents have always been there. Always. There was never a season where I had to doubt if they wanted to be there or if they would be there. They wanted to, and they were. I didn't go to a baseball game or a basketball game or a football game where my parents didn't come. I didn't do anything. I didn't graduate from anything where my parents weren't going to be there. I never had to invite them or beg them to come. They wanted to be there. And can I tell you that it is powerful it is powerful to know as you step into life as an adult that there is a couple of people behind you that are never going to leave you alone. They're always going to be there to support you. They might not get it right, but they're going to be there and they're going to love you. And if you fail, they're still going to love you. It is powerful to know that. And here's the thing. It always costs something to be that kind of parent. It wasn't without sacrifice that they were there because they were willing to leave jobs early. They were willing to spend days without pay to be there. And it is a profound gift to give to your kids. And I can tell you that when I look at that, I remember parents who wanted to be there with me. This third picture is a picture of Christmas, and I loved Christmas. And even though we were fairly poor growing up, like, we never had Christmas that wasn't extravagant. As a matter of fact, my parents would make Christmas amazing every year. I don't remember a Christmas where there was anything close to disappointment. Each Christmas, there was such levels of engagement and love. But there's something in that picture that you might miss if you didn't know the story. It's the pajamas that I'm wearing. My mom made them. You see, when we were young, we didn't have a lot of money, but my mom told my dad get through college, had worked as a seamstress. She learned how to sew. 
And so she made a lot of our clothes because we didn't have a lot of resource, but she had a lot of resourcefulness. And because of that, she was willing to take her skill set and to apply it to limited resources so that she could provide something for us that we couldn't have had on our own. When I was very little, she made me and my dad matching three-piece suits. When I got older, there were designer clothes that I wanted. That in all honesty, I know it broke their hearts that they couldn't get them for me. But she found a way to make them for me. Because she was willing to do whatever it would take with the resources that she had to serve. Can I tell you that that's a profound thing to learn from your parents? It's something that throughout my life has been a constant lesson for me. And just to put it in context, because we all share this church today as a context, our church does a lot with a little. And we have, ever since we started. Because that's just kind of the way that God has positioned us and called us to do. We launched our church with significantly less money than most people launch with. We still maintain on a church our size on a budget that's probably smaller than most other churches that are there. And we do a lot with little. And I saw that in my parents growing up. That your effectiveness is never limited by your resource. It is only limited by your resourcefulness. And if you brought your tissues... This is the price to get them out. Because this last picture represents one of the greatest promises that God can ever give us. You may not know the story, but in 1988, on August the 12th, I was burned over 25% of my body in a gasoline explosion. Spent about two months in the hospital in ICU, about six months at home, removed from uh, everyday life, almost died. It was a traumatic experience. I can't imagine what it's like to be a parent and go through that. The doctors told me when we were in the hospital that there was a good chance that I could lose my ears because the skin around them was so fragile from the burns. My parents took shifts staying up at night to watch me sleep so that I wouldn't roll over on my ears. There were treatments that had to be done at home and they did them faithfully and religiously. There was treatment that was costly that they got for me. They were faithful the entire time. This picture is a little over a year later. And when my mom said, I saw joy in your dad's face. She also said it was the first time I saw joy in dad's face in over a year. I felt God tell me it's all going to be okay. I've got this. It's been difficult. It's been hard. 
but I've got it. It's all going to be okay. See, I think sometimes in life we question God. God, why do I have the scars that I'm living with in my life right now? These blemishes that feel like they have totally robbed me of what could be a perfect life. Have you ever thought about this? In John chapter 20, a guy named Thomas misses Jesus. All of his friends get to see him, but apparently Thomas had left the party and Jesus shows up at the party and Thomas comes back later and they say, Jesus was here and he's like, I won't believe it unless I touch what? The scars in his hands. Now I want you to understand something about Jesus. Jesus at this point has been resurrected. He is in what we call a glorified, perfected body. So much so that he looked so different that his partners in crime couldn't recognize him when he showed back up after his resurrection. And so when he shows up again, he extends his hand to Thomas and says, touch the scars. Touch them. So in his glorified, perfected body, Jesus still held the scars from the wounds from the cross. And I think sometimes we look at our life and we think, why do I have these scars? They're robbing me of the perfection that I could have. But perhaps the scars that we carry right now that are the results of the battles that God invited us into are not imperfections, but symbols of His perfecting us. And maybe today you're the person that has been in one of those battles. You've been in one of those seasons that have hurt and you felt loss and pain. And I just want you to be reminded of what my mom saw in that moment and what we have learned over and over and over again that you can remember it's going to be okay because God is good and he's got this. So today, let me end with this question. What decision do you need to make today? Because your decisions become moments that later become memories. What decision do you need to make today? Because maybe there's some things that your kids need to see in your family. Maybe there's some decisions that you need to make about the way that you need to live and the way that you need to be that you have never been willing to make before. But today, God through his mercy is inviting you to make that decision. And you may not ever understand the impact that that decision will have, not only in your life, but in the lives of the people that surround you, but you can make it today. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.